gaps in the message. So, thank you. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like you to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Well, uh, it's great to meet you all here this morning, and it's a pleasure to um, share with you this passage um, from God's Word. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to meeting some of you after the service. But I want to start with a question. What is it in your life that continues to sustain you and keep living for God? I wonder if you've ever stopped and paused to think about the direction you're going in your life and how you're getting there. Maybe you're asking some of these questions. If you've been a Christian for many years, are you wondering, after so long, how is it that I continue to grow as a disciple of Christ? Perhaps you think, uh, you don't actually think about it that much, and you just assume by being around other Christians, you'll slowly grow in the faith. Or maybe you're a fairly new Christian, started to live for Jesus, You've given him your life, but now you're starting to think, what else do I need to do? What is it that actually continues you to live for God? Well, today in our passage from Galatians, in the middle of this letter, Paul, I think, asks that same question, and so are the Galatians. To give a bit of context as we're jumping into the middle of this passage in this book, um, Galatia was a place where many people had recently become Christians. Paul received a report about them about a year after he had left, and he was a bit concerned by the way they were living their lives. 
the Galatians were unsure about what they were supposed to do and started to turn to a different gospel than the one they first believed. And we can see, even from the start of that passage, the tone that Paul is using um, suggests that we actually need to pay quite a lot of attention to what he's saying. Because if we don't listen to this, we'll actually start living in a different way, a wrong way, that could lead to eternal consequences because we've misunderstood who Jesus is and what he's done. The first thing that Paul states is that we should live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. We see this by his rhetorical question in the second verse. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In these questions, Paul is trying to urge the Galatians to think about how they originally became Christians and how it's different to how they're living now. He suggests that they're abandoning the Spirit, which they were initially convicted of, and how they became Christians and started living for God. That can be seen in the first verse. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, it's very unlikely that the Galatians actually saw Jesus' crucifixion. They're Gentiles, so they would have lived a fair way away from Jerusalem. But what Paul is trying to get at here is when they heard the good news of Jesus, it really, they did actually believe it. They had no doubt, and it was as if what happened on the cross is what they actually saw with their very own eyes. They accepted the good news about Jesus and what happened on the cross, and they had faith and received the Spirit, which transformed their lives when they first believed and became Christians. It is the Spirit that did all of this, and is why Paul says, after by beginning of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? The implication of this is that they're no longer relying on the Spirit to change them and to make them more righteous like Christ. Instead, they're turning to other things, which Paul calls the flesh. And in this scenario, they are following things like the Jewish law, which was being imposed on them as Gentiles. Part of the reason why they started practicing these things was because of a strong Jewish group which started teaching the Galatians that they needed to start following this law, otherwise they weren't proper Christians. In the chapter before, we actually see an eyewitness of this kind of thing, where Peter starts acting in the same way. Turn back with me to the chapter before in verse 12, and we'll read there. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, being those, uh, the Jewish teachers. And Paul rebukes Peter in verse 14 here. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, who is also known as Peter, in front of them all, you are like you were a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Now, these Jewish customs uh, included things from the first five books of the 
Bible, like we learnt earlier from the Torah. And the Torah included things like the Ten Commandments given to Moses. But it also included all that 613 different laws as well. Particularly in this case, the circumcision and eating of special foods had become a problem for the Galatians. They were making the mistake of believing a new gospel message that required to follow a list of rules to keep pleasing God. In my own life, I can think of a time where I've lived like this. It was mostly during my college years, and while I was a Christian then, the way I tried to live my life was trying as hard as I could to do all the good things I'd been told to do. While sometimes I was able to impress people and in my own mind impress God, most of the time it was actually really hard work to keep all of that up. Now, I did have faith, and I knew that because I could see the Spirit working in my life but, and, and in many different ways, but I didn't actually seek to live by it. I was not allowing the Spirit to effectively grow in me righteousness, but I was instead trying to do it all myself. So it's actually really important that we understand that we've already been given the Spirit because otherwise we'll end up living a life that is contrary to what God wants us to do. Instead, we'll likely start ignoring the Spirit and we'll misunderstand how we receive Him. Without the Spirit, we'd most definitely start looking to other things and think that will help us to rely on God and continue to grow. The law and any other way of living that is not by the Spirit is completely powerless to transform us into Christ-likeness. Yes, you could make sure that you eat all the right foods, fast in prayer for long periods of time, read your Bible every single day, and there's nothing with doing those things. But if you expect that that is going to make you more righteous before God, you are foolish. That's not going to work, and this is what Paul is trying to get at here. You're a complete and utter fool. God is not concerned by your routines and practices and the good things that you do. What he wants is for you to humbly submit to him and accept the Spirit and listen to what he says. God putting his Spirit in us is the only way in this life that we can be righteous and bring glory to God in all that we do. And it's such a great encouragement for the Christian who has received the Spirit living inside them. It gives insurance of salvation as you can continue to see all the good things that God is doing in your life. It brings much joy and a new freeing way to live where you don't have to rely on your own righteousness. We need to make sure that we make use of this special gift of grace and live by it. Otherwise, we'll misunderstand how to follow Jesus like the Galatians did. We'll start to grieve the Spirit, trying to please God in all the wrong ways. So we know it's by the Spirit that we live for God and become more like Him. But how do we actually receive and continue in the Spirit? Paul says that it is by faith that the Spirit comes and not by obedience. He explains this by giving an example of, from Israel's history, the man called Abraham. 
we can see that in verse 6. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's because of Abraham's faith that God declared him as righteous. But it isn't just because of his faith that Paul mentions him here. Have a look again in verse 8. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. He refers back to a quote in Genesis where God made a great promise to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. He explains that it's the Gentiles who are also included in the promise and part of that gospel plan for God to save all people from all nations. But what is the blessing that God promised through Abraham? It is the Spirit itself, and we can see that in verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. It is by faith that we receive the promise of the Spirit. Whilst the Spirit had come upon different people during particular times throughout Israel's history, the promise made to Abraham was for everyone to have God's presence in them. It is only out of God's compassion and grace that he chooses to dwell in human beings like us. There's absolutely nothing we can do to earn or receive the Spirit in our lives. Imagine you've just received an inheritance from a family member. Maybe you might receive money or property or another asset, and it's probably of quite a significant value. When you receive that inheritance, it might actually feel a bit strange to receive such a gift because you've done absolutely nothing to earn it or receive it. The only thing you have done, if it even counts, is being a family member which even that you don't really have any control over. It would be really strange for me to go to my grandparent and say, tell me what I need to do to earn your inheritance. Keep the money away until I have done enough to receive it. It just doesn't work like that. You're part of the family and they want to give it to you because they love you. It is the same with what we learn here. Those who have faith are children of Abraham and have inherited the Spirit. The only thing we can do is to humbly accept God's invitation to be part of his family. And if we faithfully put our trust in him, he has promised that he'll give us his Spirit and we can be certain that he will. It is through faith that the Spirit comes and which we live by our lives. I wonder if you know this. Do you understand that God has actually already put his spirit in you and all you have to do is to come to him humbly like a child and trust him? What a great and marvelous gift that is. There's nothing more that we need to do but to simply put our trust in him and have faith. The way we start the Christian life is the way we finish it. By believing the gospel we first heard about the message of the resurrected Jesus and having faith in him who has saved us. Come and humbly accept God's Holy Spirit and allow him to work in your life. So it is by faith that we are saved 
and the Spirit comes into our lives and transforms us and how we live by that in accordance to God's will. But there's a key detail we've actually missed so far that we also need to understand. It's only because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ that the Spirit can live inside our hearts. Paul mentions this in verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. As we've already established, it is not through the law that someone is made righteous. This is only by faith. If you rely on the law or any other reason for God to save you, it won't be enough. There's mostly most certainly one rule or law that you have broken. And even if you could live to the law of perfection, the law is actually powerless to save anyone. But here it also mentions that those who do not continue to what the law outlines are cursed. What does Paul mean that people are cursed? Surely he's just been saying that the law is not the way we should live. He quotes, actually, from the law itself to make the point that everyone is cursed. Let's check that out. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to flick back to the Old Testament into Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 27. And have a look at the, the last verse there in verse 26. It says... Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of the law by carrying them out. Now, as you read that, you'll notice that there's a bunch of other curses all before that. What it tells us is that it's completely impossible for us to obey the law, even if you tried. This means every single being on earth, every person here, is cursed. Now, we should note that it's not saying that it is sinful to do some of the things included in the law. Many of the laws are actually really good, and we should try to follow them. But what Paul is trying to make clear here is that we now have a problem that all of us are cursed, and we fail to obey the law and do what it demands. But this is where the great news of verse 13 comes in. Turn back to the passage in Galatians. In verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. What a great truth that is. Christ became a curse for us, the curse we deserved, in, and in doing so, redeemed us from the curse of the law. Without Jesus in the picture, none of what Paul has been saying makes any sense. The Spirit is unable to live in simple human beings without something happening to us to make us clean. God's presence previously dwelt in the temple and precautions and regulations had to be made to make sure it was always holy and perfect. For God's spirit to live in us, we have to become like that temple, holy and blameless in the sight of him. And that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. For all who have faith, he has atoned for our sin by becoming that curse. 
reconciling us to the Father so that we are no longer his enemy. It's like a peasant who lives on the outskirts of a kingdom. Their living conditions are poor, living in a slum. They completely despise the king and all he does. So much so that the peasant frequently steals from the king. And the king has said that the penalty for such a crime is death. Imagine one day that the king comes to the peasant's house and instead of executing him, he starts to live in their home. And he doesn't just live in their home, but he starts to renovate it and turns it into a completely new home, just like his own castle. The king has come to live in our home, in our hearts. This is why Christ needed to come, as it says in verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Without Christ saving us and redeeming us, it is impossible for the Spirit to live inside us. When Jesus hung on that cross, he didn't just defeat sin and justify us before the Father, allowing us to approach him, but he also provided a way for us to be sanctified and to live the way he wants us to, a way that the law could never do. God had a plan and knew that the law was only temporary. The law was only a guide that condemned and revealed what sin was. It actually had no power to deal with it or atone for it. And that is why Jesus has fulfilled the law and made a new way for sinners to have faith and receive the Spirit. So how is it that we receive the Spirit and continue to grow in the Christian life? As we have heard, it is only through the gospel that we've already heard, having humble and repentant faith in Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from the curse of the law, so that the Spirit can live inside our hearts and transform us to serve and love others for the sake of his glory. It is not through our attempts to do good or by helping the poor, coming to church every Sunday, reading lots of theology books or anything else, Although we can do those things, and we probably should, is only because Christ has fulfilled the law that we are no longer obliged to keep following it because it is powerless to save us from our sin. So what does that mean for us in our day-to-day lives? Here's an example. Maybe there is someone in your workplace who you, can't just get, you just can't get along with. They constantly do small little things here and there to annoy you. They continue to make comments behind your back. And they do this for a long enough period that you actually start to notice hatred coming up in your heart towards this person. So what do you do about it? Do you go to your Bible and search up all the different passages about loving your neighbor? Or do you come to church and find different ways to serve and hope that will teach you to love and serve others better? Or do you come to God in prayer, recognizing what Christ has done, confessing the hatred in your heart towards this person and asking the Holy Spirit to give you a heart that is patient and full of peace? This is what we need to do. We need to continue to come to each day with nothing in our hands, fully dependent on what Christ has done, confessing our sin, 
and asking for his spirit to enter our lives so that we might live for him. This is how we grow in Christ's likeness, by the powerful, sufficient work of the spirit. Please pray with me. Dear Father, thank you that you are good and holy. Thank you that you choose to have compassion on us and live inside our hearts. Thank you that you've given the Spirit, your Spirit, to help us live for you in this life, to continue to grow in faith and to continue to love and serve others. We pray that yeah, we would continue to remember how we receive the Spirit, that we would not grieve it, but we'd know that you already live inside our hearts. May we continue to depend on you fully for everything that we do, not trying to do things in our own strength, but relying on your Spirit that is sufficient and powerful to make us righteous like Christ. Help you Help us to long for the day when our bodies will be made perfect and Christ will return. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Cameron, for sharing that message with us this morning. And um, as Cameron said, he'll um, be joining us for coffee after church. So um, we have an opportunity to... um, um, discuss with him and meet with him and get to know him better too and he, he asks um, as we've heard this word about the Holy Spirit let's stand and sing um, and this as Henny said in our singing um, that this can also be a prayer for us let's sing the words of Holy Spirit living breath of God mm-hmm. 